I'm Michelle Thompson. Welcome to Heat Network, the podcast. I believe one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to be open-minded to learn. To learn about different professions out there in the world that links to your health both indirectly as well as directly. For instance, I operate a manual osteopathy cold laser clinic in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. For those of you who are not familiar with manual osteopathy, it takes a holistic whole body approach to healthcare. It uses manual hands-on techniques to improve the body on all aspects, including the skeleton, joints and muscles, nerves, circulation, connective tissue, as well as organs. Internal functions like metabolism, respiration, reproduction can also be improved without the use of drugs. Here at Heat Therapy, Holistically Elite Active Therapy, we utilize Bioflex Cold Laser to also accelerate healing on a cellular level. It's a light-based technology proven to be highly effective in the treatment of musculoskeletal problems and wound healing. We have had many success stories with this technology. People have avoided surgery, reduced or eliminated their medication, and reduced and eliminated all sorts of pain. So please join us on this journey as we interview all sorts of professions and how they link to your health, either directly or indirectly. As a conflict resolution specialist, Sandy Edmond keeps groups focused on the task and on results. Her goal is to seek out the deeper story and obtain clarity for all the parties involved. She received certification through RANA International in 2006. 2013, Sandy completed facilitation skills for groups in conflict with the Canadian Institute for Conflict Resolution. Her work extends from working in small Aboriginal communities to national and international corporations. Please welcome Sandy Emden. So a quote that I know you've uh, lived your life basically from, and I'll, I'll read it here for everyone else, and I just love this, from Wayne Dyer, by the way, who I love, um, and it's, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So Sandy, could you just elaborate on what that quote means to you and how it's really impacted your life in general? Yeah, it, it hasn't been my whole life. Okay. It has, uh, you know, maybe the last decade. And when I first read it, I didn't even know what it meant. And I think for me, I talk about it in my TED talk that uh, some some mind shifts happened for me. And the one of the three small words that I use is changing I have to to I get to. I love that. And that really, when you list all the things you have to do in your head, and often we'll tell other people all the things that we have to do. And in thinking about it, telling ourselves about it, telling others about it, it depletes our energy and it sucks all the joy Absolutely. out of our day. And when we shift that perspective to I get to, same list, okay? So for me, I was whining and complaining about all the things I had to do as a mm-hmm. stay-at-home mom. The kids, mm-hmm. the house, the dog, the car, the lawn. I have to, do, I have to lawn, do that, I have to okay? do that, yeah. All I did was shift the channel, change the channel, that's it. Same kids, same list of things to do, same bills to pay, same chore list, but everything shifted because now I got to do those things. I love that. Felt more grateful, blessed, lucky, 
nothing about my my world on the outside changed. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Had the same address, had the same kids, same husband, same big dog that pooped in the backyard, you know. <laughs> same things I had to do. Rather than th- thinking of them as having to do them. Yeah, as a burden. Getting to do them. Yeah, as a, as so a privilege. Sh- yes. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yeah. And nothing about your outer world really has changed. Mm-hmm. So you can... It just... For me, it... it um, I don't even think about it anymore because it's, it's just integrated so, yes. into who I am. Yeah, and that really goes apart with like uh, they say like the four levels of consciousness, right? Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like you're aware, you suck at it, yeah. and you have to really press for that. But then eventually, like like you are in that state now, which I, I can totally see yeah. by the energy that you have. It's just so much of a common sense thing yeah. to you now that it's it, it's it's yeah. I, I love that topic. So going into that TED talk, the this three small uh words um that also i think to a certain extent as we were talking about earlier palliative care too it gave you a whole new perspective on death and so um by the way uh sandy she just does so many different things so it's really going to be interesting for you guys to listen but speaking to death it's just such a taboo topic Mm -hmm. so i love how when we were speaking earlier so open with it so maybe speak a little bit uh to that and and how it kind of gave you some perspective on life and well it was uh when i did palliative care 25 years ago as a volunteer for a number of years and then as a trainer because i have a social work background they needed somebody um it shifted so many things in me but like all of us have stories around conflict, stories around death, stories around nutrition, and many people have experienced death, but it's not talked about. So we all have a story around death. So if you actually ask people what your experience with death or loss was, when I used to facilitate those, those training sessions, it shocked me how many years people could hang on to something. Mm. So perhaps they were a child of eight and lost their dog, or perhaps they were a child of 10 and their grandmother died. Depending on how that was talked about, was it safe? Was it natural? Did you go to the funeral? Were you hidden away from it? Were you told not to cry? All of those things uh, contribute to our fear and our enlightenment really yeah, about our own death and yeah. other people's death. Okay, yeah. And people just don't talk about death. It's almost reminds me of like when people didn't talk about birth control pills because they <laughs> thought that that would make you get pregnant, you know, yeah, like yeah. Or, or or sign your donor card because you're but the thing inviting for sure death. we know is people are gonna die. Yes. So it's funny because that's the for sure thing everybody does, right? Yes. That we all kind of you know are in denial about almost. Yes. Yeah. And I have had the privilege to work with dying people who died yeah and i've i've just seen it as a really I, i've witnessed some really good deaths and it's very peaceful and it's it's really helped me plan for mine as well so in the professional development of either volunteer or working in the palliative care field the professional development often that you get annually you're in the hot seat as a practitioner or a caregiver mm. or a helper mm-hmm. and you sit with another partner who could be a colleague or a complete stranger and you talk about death. How would you like to die? 
what kind of funeral would you like to have? Wow. What kind of music? Um, is there, you know, what, what kind of meals or rituals or flowers or music? Who do you see there? So you talk about it and you make it real. It takes a lot of the fear out of it. And you get to sort of control some of it by being part of that plan. And when, when you witness, when I've witnessed death after death after death in really good ways, and some not so good, it just, uh, you see it up close and personal. And really, we don't think about it or talk about it, but you know, nobody gets out alive. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, being afraid of it and not talking about it, like anything, cancer, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, even when we were kind of like, because I didn't even know you did that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many things you do, and I, and I really look up to you for that. It's, it's awesome. And that, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to touch upon it, because I don't know if I'm ever going to have anyone on this podcast again is going to talk about that kind of yeah. stuff. And so I think it's really interesting for people to know, because prior to you speaking to me about this, like what, 10 minutes ago, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So so to know that it, that is possible, I really hope that people find uh, value in that. So you touched upon how you did social work and how that mm-hmm. kind of led into other things. And uh, one thing that you mentioned that I think would be very valuable, especially for healthcare professionals that are going to be listening to this or really anyone, mm-hmm. is you have to do the work yourself that you're preaching. You have to walk the walk, talk the talk. Absolutely. So um, I'm not sure where you, uh, where you want to take it exactly, but uh, to really reiterate the importance of that, could you uh, yeah. give us your two cents? Yeah, so I think if I was the king or the queen or I could, you know, I could change things at the drop of a hat, I think anybody in the healthcare field, uh, academically and interning and professional development should always, or at least sometime, be geared towards your own work. Mm-hmm. So when I was a social worker, um, I had very little self-awareness because I was outwardly focused on helping shift or change somebody else, not myself. And um, I just had a blank there that I wanted to tell you. Okay, so what I would change Mm -hmm. is I would add to the curriculum uh, things that would delve into your, like more self-reflections, more self-awareness. Instead of just being so one-sided, because it is very one-sided. Like you were saying, it's all about the other person, how you can fix them. But then if you don't take care of yourself, how are you supposed to do that other half? Yeah. So I love that you would would change that. I think if if, if they, they allowed some time for that in the academic training or in your placements and in the workplace, you don't even have to be a caregiver, but if you're in the world of service, you need to do your mm-hmm. own work. Uh, so in retrospect, so it's probably, let me see, 30 years ago okay. or more that I was a social worker. So in retrospect, I could have been a hell of a much better social worker. Amazing. Had I known and dealt with my stuff. Hmm. I thought I was a pretty good social worker yeah. anyways, but you know, probably like, like I said, 30 years later... Um, I think I would have been a, just a, such a much better uh, social worker. But you don't know what you stuff. don't know too, yeah. right? And I think it's not a coincidence that you are aware now because you kind of uh, consider yourself, a, and correct me if I'm wrong, conflict resolution coach. Yes. Right? Is mm-hmm. that, that's a proper one amongst other it's, things. It's one area of coaching that, that, that I do. That you really enjoy. Yes. And so to a certain extent though, I'm a really huge believer that 
there's no right path. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead you to where you need to be exactly because if you didn't go through that realization, Absolutely. you wouldn't be helping the people you are today and you're making even bigger impact, yes. right? So um, in terms of that, the conflict resolution coach, which I love the title because that's huge. And um, I think one thing that you mentioned that totally blew my mind for a little bit is when we're kids in the playground, you sp- you give that analogy, it really doesn't change that much from when we grow into adults and how we deal with conflict. Mm-hmm. And that such, can be such a damaging and almost act like a cancer, especially in a workplace, relationship, any type of relationship. And so when you're going in there and you're helping people, like, like what do you do? Like, how would you explain that to people? Like, I'm a conflict resolution coach. Uh, well, people uh, reach out to me when either their own personal life or their partnership life, like husband and wife mm-hmm. or what have you, or at work, uh, what they've been trying, it's not working. And people are going off on medical leave or stress leave. Mm-hmm. The turnover is higher. People are walking on eggshells. It's not a, there's no spring in your yeah. step. It's around truth, toxic environment. truth and trust and, and um, that's missing. And in that kind of environment, people tend to either just ignore it or take medication or leave the job or change the department. Anything but look within. Hmm. So we are socialized, I believe, to think that it's somebody else's problem. She did it, he did it, wasn't me, was her, did not, did too. And we never, I did not ever experience complete resolution till I was near 60 years old with a lot of my stuff. Having worked in several careers and been in a marriage for 30 years and raised children, I'd never witnessed it myself. And then luckily I interned for two years with a master and I witnessed this, witnessed it in people all over the province. Mm-hmm. In courthouse staff, children's aid staff, ministry of community services. This is a very common problem that we have. We don't know how to deal with conflict mm-hmm. and it affects our health and it affects our relationships and it affects families. And really I think when you don't resolve a conflict, you carry resentment And when you carry resentment, you live that resentment, it is like every day drinking poison Mm. and hoping the other person dies. (laughs) That's what it's like. So I did not know about the world of conflict until very near 60. And um, now that I know about it and the freedom that it brings to you, you pee better, you poop better, you sleep better, mm. you taste your food. Everything about it changes because you're letting go of, of a lot yeah. of stuff. That was dragging your you down. posture changes. Mm. Yeah, complete resolve is not an apology. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it Just can I'm include an apology. When you don't even really want to say it. Yeah, and you know, yeah. I don't think we even are taught how to apologize. So no. if I'm going to apologize to you, I didn't know this, again, until the last decade, I'm really sorry for what I did. I really don't didn't mean it. And you really matter to me. And I, I want to make this right. What can I do to make this right for you? Mm-hmm. And that last little sentence yeah. is so important. Because you can apologize over and over for yeah, the same thing. But that's thing. more so for you, mm-hmm. not for the other person. What, whereas that is very much for the other person. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, what can I do to make it right? Yeah, so you're actually, it's true, genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. 
yeah. yeah. So when um, cause I'm a, cause um, do you go to like uh, companies or is it more individualized that you do this work with? Like, um, my favorite way to do it, I love an audience. My favorite way to is to do a lunch and learn or a workshop. I'm often called to do an afternoon session for the annual staff day. So my the way I, I generally work is to introduce the whole discussion and topic and the stories that we have around conflict in a okay. workshop. Okay. Offer a few tools, examples, and some application. And generally from that, I will have one or two people that will say, oh, I want more. Can you come and talk to my boss? Can you come and talk to my husband? Like that kind of thing. Mm. And, and that ask means they're curious but they haven't got it yet because they yeah. still want you to come and fix the boss yes you know yeah and uh something that i do uh, the the door that i go through with resolving conflict is um if the boss isn't going to be there i don't take the job mm-hmm. it's it's not a top down yeah or, exactly can you come and fix my kid fix my team yeah. fix my co-workers make them like their jobs more produce more and get along <laughs> together uh-huh. and can you do that in a lunch and learn not really it's about creating that culture yeah. of being authentic and trust you know yeah. I don't know of uh you know every time even at, I got a blood test recently um at life labs yep and yep. she asked I had several tests done she's so we got to talking and she asked me what I did and I talked about conflict. She said, oh, you should come here to Life Labs. When I tell people what I do, mm-hmm. they want me there. Whether it's a big company, a small company, mm-hmm. my team, you should go to the city and work there. You should go to the hospital. Like, we need this here. People are hungry for it, but they're afraid of it, and they don't have the tools. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to make it worse. So it's, it, it's, and it's funny with conflict conversations and death conversations, same kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing and offend you yeah. or make it awkward. So there's, there's, there's similarities there, but it is a universal problem. It's not just yeah, something. 100%. Mm-hmm. But you know, to a certain extent too, like just touching upon, you say like if people are offended, there's like a wonderful author who I love, Eckhart Tolle. I don't know love if he, yeah, and he, everything he's done. And, and he mentions something that I just love about um, when people are offended, which I think is very applicable to, to the world we live in now, unfortunately. Uh, but when, when people are offended, it's because deep down they believe that he, mm-hmm. he kind of goes into that so it's like if people can kind of understand that then it kind of almost in a sense makes them kind of shift a little bit to be yeah. a little bit more accepting and open to it like ooh, i actually do need this because yes. i do think in some way shape or form we need to deal with certain things in conflict definitely being one of them and probably uh, as i'm learning today you alive. Death, uh, being one of them too but yeah exactly because it's just like how do you expect to be your best self when you're essentially not even knowing you're in denial about something yes crazy so you know i think back to my early social work days working in women's shelters around northern ontario and not knowing like again not having done my work and not knowing about these these shifts um but people who would be in that situation, get out of that situation, and then get back into that same situation yeah, again. They haven't learned. Because they haven't done the work. Yeah. So same kind of thing. People leave jobs, leave families, leave marriages, leave neighborhoods and cities because it's somebody else's fault. I'm going to get away. I need to get away from this. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go, you, there you are. You bring yourself with you. So mm-hmm. um, when you need, to, when I talk about doing the work, 
it's looking at your own exactly. stuff. And we usually need help to do that, to yeah. uh, help us unpack that. And it isn't a right or wrong or shame or blame thing. It's an awareness thing. The reason I check out when you yell at me is because... Of past experiences. Could have been a teacher, could have been yeah. a coach, could have been a parent. Uh, and, and again, it's not looking for blame or shame. It's looking to connect the dots yeah. so that you understand... I check out when you do that. How's that working for you? Not very well. Would mm-hmm. you like to change that? Yes, I would. Would you like some help with that? Let me help you. Yeah, that. I love that approach. Mm-hmm. And the yes, yes to the psychology yeah. behind it. Because that. some people don't want help with it. Yeah, that's true. Some people are not open to feedback. I, I, I would yeah. rarely offer a person feedback mm-hmm. unless I said to them first, Yeah. would you be open to some feedback? Yeah. Is it is it common people say no? Or yes. Is it, Really? Why do you think that is? Uh, Because most of us, uh, many of us, think that suggestions for improvement are criticisms. And they're not criticisms. Mm. That To to, to course correct. When you change the way you look at things. The things (laughs) things you look at change. Yes. My boss is a dick. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Maybe it's me. Yeah. Absolutely. Just be curious if that's a possibility. Hmm. You know, conflict cannot happen without your participation. Yeah. Even oh, if your wow, participation like is to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because that's a decision yeah. as well. What she started it. I'm not going to do anything when she apologizes. You know. Yeah. Um, and I guess one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is I have continually, daily experience the freedom in my soul that I didn't experience before I packed that resentment and that shame and that blame and that Mm -hmm. did not did too. Never understood how I was showing up. Just focused on how you were showing up or how you weren't showing up without taking any responsibility. Which ended up being a reflection of you later on. You just Mm -hmm. didn't realize. Because this whole idea of unpacking, and I really, really like that story, because you say when you're coaching through, um, you know, coaching people and even individuals, whatever, groups of 20, whatever, you you say, like, you use the phrase of unpack their stories. Mm -hmm. And my question to you would be, like, um, in the order that they kind of happened you know because there's always a first time you have an experience and Mm -hmm. and you mentioned something about like a teacher who yelled at this four-year-old kid like don't ask such stupid questions and how that could actually you know impact him and to 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 a certain extent the individual can decide which way it's going to impact him but like do you find when you're unpacking people's stories and baggage so to speak it it seems to unravel in the order they kind of you know, graphs things, or is yes. that even doesn't even matter? I don't even know. It's just uh, well, it depends whether. So I myself, yeah, um, had three professionals unpack my stuff twenty four seven over four days, and intense. It, it it was one of the most intense experiences I've had. Unpacking other people. So for if I'm having an hour coaching session with someone who wants to unpack something, it'll be identified. It's like. You wouldn't want to unpack all your stuff in one sitting. Fair enough. So we we need to unravel or thaw out slowly. Yeah. Because if we don't, uh, earlier I was saying to you that my coach would often say to me, Sandy, how did we get here again? So you're not integrating the teaching if you're doing a whole lot of it quickly. And, and, And I can tell you, unpacking stuff, it's messy work. 
it's a workout when you when you are digging into things that maybe have you been packing down for 10 20 30 40 realize. years yeah after a coaching session like that or a breakthrough when some of that unpacking happens quite often you will sleep like for two three days like deeply wow because you have awakened the dragon and all of the physiology in your body mm-hmm. um fear anxiety um shame blame all of those things that come up um it's a workout doing Mm. the work and we as people like to do stuff that we like to do and that we're comfortable doing and we don't generally generally lean in to pain and suffering but if we don't lean into that pain and suffering and unpack those stories we live in pain and suffering you know, mm-hmm. you can't yeah. tell by looking at any person whether they're pain, you know, what's behind those eyes or that outfit. Yeah, absolutely. Most of us are suffering with something, either grieving something, loss of a job, loss of a marriage, loss mm-hmm. of a dog, uh, loss of a house. Uh, they're, they're, you know, we have a lot of stuff inside and we suffer in silence. And there's no reason to suffer one more day. You get a good coach mm-hmm. and you get rid of that stuff, let it go once and for all. And I'm telling you, your posture changes, your breathing changes. Mm. It, when you don't have a bunch of stuff that you're yeah. trying to hold down. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Debbie Ford, years, maybe 20 years ago, I read her book. And she was talking about how we hold these, uh, like a beach ball. We're holding them down in the pool. And we can manage to hold lots oh, of them down. But sooner, but sooner or later, one's going to pop up. You know, or yeah. or they're gonna all pop up. Yeah. Um. So we spend so much time Trump. not being real. Yeah. yeah. With our shield up, mm-hmm. uh, protecting our our wall or our shield, that we we don't, uh, we don't. It's it's been there for so long. Sometimes we need help taking yeah, one brick off at a time. You know. Because another interesting thing, and I just listened to this uh, interview recently. Can't remember who it was. I I didn't know this gentleman prior to this, but he said some very valuable thing. Um, and and I almost wonder because unpacking almost can be painful and, and, and like painful, it right? And so he says past twenty five because there's research to back this uh, for years and years um, that the study went along. But he says before you're twenty five. You can pretty much learn through, you know, like the, all this motivational stuff, like the Tony Robbins and, yeah. and this and that. Yeah. However, when you get past 25, it's really hard to change your mentality of how you um, developed, but how you learn is through pain. Yes. And, 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 and uncomfortable experiences. Mm-hmm. And because you, you, the rationale behind it is, you know, I became 200 pounds overweight. And then you went to the gym and you worked your butt off to lose those 200 pounds that you were overweight. And then you, you correlate that, oh, I don't want to go through that massive pain and struggle that took me to get those 200 pounds off. I'm not going to eat that extra piece of cake. Because by the way, you, you can eat that piece of cake. You just can't overindulge, right? Yeah. But, but anyways, so that whole idea, I guess that's the rationale behind it. Just bringing in that study is that when you get past 25 the only way to learn so you don't experience it is to to unpack and, and feel mm. that pain so that you can recognize those patterns absolutely hmm, that's amazing yeah wow so it's i guess that's why based on your own experience too that's why you i guess you kind of gravitate towards it i don't know because you're I just have, so interesting i have like never the things felt that you the, do. the the level of peace and surrender 
in my life mm-hmm. like I do now. And I think unpacking my own stuff and doing my own work is, is such a big part of that. Now, some people can do that at 25, like have a breakdown or a yeah. breakthrough at that stage. For me, it was very, very near 60. I was over 55. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I say uh, the peace that I feel in my breathing, in my chest, in my sleeping patterns, I just have never experienced. I feel like a baby or a child experiencing joy and wonder for the first time. That's amazing. I don't have any resentment. I've cleaned up my stuff, um, and it's a continuous job. Yeah. But I've been at this, focused mostly on me and recovery for seven years. For seven mm. years. And do you think it's ever going to end? It's oh, constant. I think a new beginning. I mean, I'm powering up in a way that's yeah. scary to me now because... <laughs> in uh, a good way, I'm in a, in a good way, yeah. but it's like, whoa, it's like... Uh, I, yeah, everything is really... It just really goes to show how you truly do not even know your limits until yeah. you, you keep pushing yourself and striving and learning new things and talking to new people and getting new experiences. Yeah. Well, the flip side of keeping doing that in all the good ways, Yeah. the flip side of that is taking on, taking on, taking on, taking on. Yes. So that, your, your new normal changes. So... Maybe you have a baby, and oh my God, you're really, 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 really busy. You go back to work. Don't scare and not, me! I'm kidding. <laughs> now you're, you're juggling one child or two job and yeah. or two children and a job or a career and training and a relationship and mm-hmm. and and family, your family, his family, all of that, all the time. So as you get busier and busier, people don't understand the 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 link between stress and busyness. And busyness is just one more form of addiction. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're, if, you know, with every new stress, the level of your stress raises and it's the new normal. Yeah. And the second child, new normal. Yeah. And the new building a house. So if you're not aware of that and take care of that all the time, you will get to your your new normal Uh is just this side of a breakdown and you don't even know it. And then that's Because you wake up running and you fall asleep crushed. Yeah. And that can go on for years. Yeah. And then people come into me and wonder why they have all this pain. And I just, it's just, it's so funny you said that because literally the other day, a woman came in to see me and she had unexplainable pain and inflammation in her feet. No one can figure it out. Done all these tests. Nothing's coming up. They say, oh, you must have micro tears. It's just, and then I, you know, I'm, okay, I'm starting to think here, not really making sense, not adding up. How's stress in your life? Oh, this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Okay, that's your problem. And then, the, and then it what? What? It's because this was actually manifesting this entire time, but the stress built up, built up, yeah. built up, got you over that threshold, and now all of a sudden, pain is is. And then for some people, that's a breakdown, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, yeah. So, a belief really just is something you think over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you're dumb, if you think you can't, like yeah, if you think you can do it. Or if you think you can't, you're right. It doesn't exactly. really matter. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that quote too. <laughs> yeah. And it's so true. It's so funny because all these little things that you, you kind of grasp growing up 
And then all of a sudden things start to become, because for you, for example, when you said, when I said that quote, and I'm going to say it again because I love it and I hope people grasp it, but when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, you you said point blank, you didn't understand it or get it right away no. when when you first heard it. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that happens a lot with certain quotes, so it's just so funny because I'm sure people listening to this, there's, there's a certain quote out there that you that you like, you don't really know mm-hmm. why, and then all of a sudden you're experiencing something seven years later and you're like, oh, it just all makes sense. Absolutely. Right, and yeah. and that's and that's one quote that I, that I love as well. Yeah. And Wayne Dyer said a lot. I probably have a hundred applications per day on that quote. Mm. You know, I leave my apartment building the other day, and it's raining, and I meet this, my old crotchety neighbor, and he said, "Oh, it's raining again." I said, "Yay, free car wash!" Exactly. He got in my car. Absolutely. So, and examples like that mm-hmm. happen to me every day, yeah. all day long. Yeah, uh, it's almost a game though too, especially for me, because I'm very much on the on the positive train, optimism, all that kind of stuff. It's how I like to live my life. It's how I always like to live my yeah. life. I'm very uncomfortable around negative people. Yeah. So for me, my, it's like a game for me to to look out the positive things, to catch yeah. the positive things. Yes. It's like a game now. Yeah. So the, that positive mindset and the changing the way you look at things also integrates and goes hand in hand with gratitude. Oh, you know, so yes. for me, when I started on the road to gratitude, it was effort, and now it's effortless. Mm-hmm. And if you asked me um, what I'm grateful for and go as long as I want, I could probably list you 300 things with effortlessly. I, I, I'm in that mindset of when I wake up, oh my God, thank you for this beautiful bed, these beautiful sheets. Yeah. And the heat in the apartment, and then my cat comes in, oh, you're so adorable. Yeah. And I... It, it is this is how my mind thinks all day yeah, long that's now awesome. I get in my car oh, I love my car thank you for starting I have mm-hmm. the best parking spot my my car has a view of the city like mm-hmm. it's effortless mm-hmm. but it took a long time to get that yeah. you know it's one application at a time one day at a yeah. time one breath at a time exactly uh, and, but it's effortless for me to not it's effortless for me to live in a daily moment life of I am so grateful to be here and how may I serve today mm-hmm. it, it's a complete shift yeah and if you were only sort of videotaping my life from the outside not a whole lot has changed yeah you can look at pictures of me or like my life or my lifestyle or for many many years and not know the difference mm-hmm Okay. But how you feel yes. is just such a... Anytime I could say right now, oh my goodness, like I need to make some money. Uh, i got to get into shape. Oh, my apartment's so small. And yeah. My car's five years old. How come they have a new one? Yeah. I, yeah. I, it would be more effort for me now where I am. Wow, yeah, absolutely. It would yeah, be as it. equally as much effort for me to try to be that negative person yeah. or to, to be a doubtful person mm-hmm. or... Uh, I can't change the channel back now. So mm-hmm. now that I've changed the way I look at things and the things I've looked at change, yeah. I can't change back. Yeah. So you'll never ever hear out of my mouth or even if you get into my head, oh, what a terrible day. What a, oh, the weather is so cold. It's so rainy. Oh, like it's, there's no space for it. And, yeah. and there's no space for it. Yeah. And, and that's doing the work. That's social work, age, wisdom, training, uh, death doula stuff, breakdown mm-hmm. stuff, like all of it, the culmination kind of, of yeah. yes, okay. I feel like a superstar, rock star, never felt better, yeah, calmer, awesome. secure, uh, peaceful, all of that. Uh, like I'm, I'm getting a second, a second chance at life. 
Hmm. That's amazing. So, um, I think people got a pretty good grasp of that and I'm sure people are going to have questions for you and want to talk to you because we could probably talk for two more hours. Um, but so people want to get a hold of you, say they're interested in the coaching aspect or, Mm -hmm. uh, the death doula aspect, which is, uh, I'm not going to swear. Amazing. Uh, uh, amazing on here. Um, anyways, um, like, like what was the best way to get a hold of you? Um, the best way to get a hold of me always is um, texting. Keep in, okay. Keep in mind, though, people might be in China right now yeah. listening to this. So, you know, I this. have <laughs> been uh, complacent about uh, social media, websites, that kind of thing. I totally believe that I haven't put a lot of effort there. My effort for the last seven years has been on getting well. Yeah. And as, I'm, as I get well, things just come to me. The clients that I've had or do have or get are all from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I made a little pinky promise with Don Larson, who owns uh, Navigator Marketing, that we're going to get together and we're going to put that at least a basic package together because every time people do find me, they say, I had a really hard time finding you. <laughs> so uh, people that are have been in my audiences, okay, even if it's 10 years ago, will send me an email. I'm not mm. sure if you're still doing this, but yeah. I was in one of your sessions and I really liked your style and your energy. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if, you were, if you're still doing this, could you come to our... That's where I get 90% of my business. Okay. Word of mouth and from previous clients. And, and again, I'm in my 60s. I'm mm-hmm. not gearing up to build a big business. Yeah. I'm lucky enough to take only the projects or the clients that I want at the time. That come your yeah. way. Yeah. So uh, you can share if you want a uh, number or email or whatever you you feel comfortable with. But I think there's probably going to be a few people that are quite interested to, to get a hold of you and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So um, we'll leave uh, email or phone number, whatever she decides to give out yeah. in... Uh, the just a little description there and Sandy I just want to thank you so much I I had so much fun interviewing you so um, I'm really hoping people got some value out of this and I really think that uh, they did so thank you for spending essentially two hours with me at my My pleasure I learned so much as well thank you and uh, I'm sure there'll be more to come so thank you And that's a wrap for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast if you found it educational and you know someone who would benefit. This is Nichelle Thompson on Heat Network, the podcast.